Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third Quaret Masterclass, where we share our knowledge and how we think that companies should be should be working. And, and as always, we hope that you can participate, you can comment, you can uh, explain what you think about what we are sharing. Today, we'll be talking about how to hire people remotely. So the people who are in YouTube, please do comment in the chat so we you will see the comments here so we can interact. And even we don't see you, at least we feel your presence with your comments. And people in LinkedIn, the same. If you want to comment, please do. And as always, uh, if you are subscribed to our newsletter that you can do in our website, uh, you will receive all the comments, all the all the content that we will be talking today in your uh, in your email, like next week. And today we will be talking with uh, Mickey and Alex. I'm gonna introduce them like really, really fast. Mickey is the senior director of culture and people experience at the African Leadership Group, and today he will be. Uh, delivering appeal about talking about the, the how to hire people and also in remote because I would say like he's the remote man because he's been like well, he's working full remote and all his company is working full remote so we you can ask them or ask him like a lot of questions if you want about this as well and we will be talking as well with uh, Alex he's like the purpose culture and strategy at, uh, at GB Foods and also like he's been working in this in these topics as well. And the topic that we have today is what we want to talk about is like how to hire people that will succeed and stay for a long time. Because at the end, when we hire people, what we want is like people that succeed in our company. It's like the win-win, but both for our company and also for, for themselves. We want people that join us like to be successful in our company. So we'll see like the, the keys about how to do this because uh, obviously, like a lot of people know how to do an interview, know how to evaluate people, but sometimes we forget some stuff that, uh, and, and also always we check in our side, okay, is this person fit what we want? But sometimes we forget some parts, and I, I think Mickey is like a, 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 well, he defends like another idea. Today we'll, we'll be in, we'll be like listening and hearing and learning what he thinks like we should be doing in, instead. and. And yeah, like, and please do do share what you think, or if you have any questions during the presentation. And I think like we can go straight away uh, to Mickey's presentation. Uh, and and the goal of this presentation is like to learn how to predict job success and create long-term uh, partnerships during the hiring process. So uh, Mickey, welcome, welcome to the Quiet Masterclass, and thank you for. Uh, also, I'm gonna be sharing your presentation. Welcome to the jungle. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hopefully, we can share some some insights that, that you guys can apply. Um, Tony, if you want to give us some context first and, and tell everybody how this part that we're talking about today, predictive and relational hiring, how to hire the best and have them stay, um, fits into the whole quad framework, that'd be awesome. And then I can take it from there. Fantastic. So yeah, like as we introduced in the, in the first, in the first, um, Quite a talk that you can check in our YouTube as well, and and also like if you subscribe, you can receive the other newsletters where we develop this idea. We like we created Quaret because we believe that uh, we want to transform employees into owners. We want to people that work for in a company to believe that it's their own company, and and we can we work in in in, in this framework in order to to achieve that. So as we as we we seen like the first day. 
was like, first, we need to know the purpose of our company, why we exist as a company, where, where we want to go. Then like uh, we talk about uh, the, other, the other phase that is to understand what is the talent that we need, what, what is that talent, what capabilities and what values do we need in order to attract this talent, to have this talent. Then the next step is like to attract that, this talent that is matching these capabilities and also like these values with in recruiting and employer branding that we'll see another day. And today we are like in the match, like once we attract these people, how we make sure and we do this partnership that um, Mickey will be, will be talking about. And then once we have like the people that match and we have this partnership, how we like give it, how like we make them feel or we convert them in, not just in employees, if not in, into stars. So we can like see, we'll talk in another session about like the emergent leadership and also to the talent-centric learning. And in the end, like the way to convert like employees or stars that are already stars into owners, the, the way we see it is like the to have like a communic an impact communication. So like explain the impact that everyone is having in the company and also like a model of power governance that also we will be sharing another quiet masterclass. And today we will be talking about this, like the match, the match uh, step that I think it's uh, also like one of the most important parts because obviously all of the all of them is are important but this is one the people will start like um interacting with us and we have to decide if we start like this partnership or not so uh yeah mickey if you want or alex if you want to add anything uh into this uh frame of presentation it would be cool to to hear, to hear you as well nothing to add nothing to add i'm really looking forward to to listening uh mickey out so please mickey go Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Alex, for the intro. So yeah, as as Tony a little bit explained, today we're shifting the the, the approach a bit to, to this session, and uh, we're gonna spend the first 15, 20 minutes in a in a pill, knowledge pill, where I'm gonna be sharing a little bit of insights on on a little bit of hacks here and there that you guys can apply and, and into your hiring processes, and and really also after, you know, when you're trying to like develop those partnerships with the people, so that they they hopefully stay with you for a long time. And all of that in a remote setup. All of those things, by the way, are not only remote friendly, are for you know any type of, of hiring that you that you want to apply, but they suit remote as well. So any questions that have to do with remote in specific, but beyond remote as well, are, are welcome. So let's let's get into it. Um, predictive and relational hiring. Why the name? First of all, well, I chose these two words: predictive and relational. Predictive because we want to make sure that we're bringing the best um, with us, only the best. And we got to make sure that we can predict who will have success with us. Because different people have success or may have success in different places. And we want to make sure that we understand um, who will have success with us. So the first most important thing is to predict job success in the context of our organization. We will see how to do that. And then relational. And relational in sort of like as, as an opposite or on the other extreme um, from transactional. We don't want to be, um, you know, getting into a transaction frame where somebody gives us time and we give them money. We want to establish a relationship. We want to establish a partnership. And we know that nowadays, and, you know, we don't have those 20-year careers that we had before. However, we can still find ways to create something that is beyond a transaction and we can still uh, we can still find ways to to develop this this relationship that hopefully can last for for many years even with today's reality and the startup world so without further ado we can get into it 
let's get into the predictive side of things first. I wanted to first share a bit on why and why we need to predict who will have success in our organization. And I think that just by listening to Tony Syke, who's the founder of Zappos, Zappos is, uh, is, is you know, has a lot of fame because Zappos um, became um, a very good example on a strong culture that was then, you know, many people followed some of their advice on how to build a very strong brand around a really strong culture. And there's even this book called Delivering Happiness um, that the founder, Tony Sai, um, uh, this guy wrote. And he gives us, in this video, 10 seconds, a clear reason why, why we need to predict job success. Let's listen to him. Biggest category of mistakes is in hiring. Uh, if you add up the cost of our bad hires and the bad decisions they made, and then uh, you know they in turn also hired more bad hires, and this whole domino effect over the past eleven years, it's probably cost the company well over a hundred million dollars, uh, and you know that would otherwise just be cash in our balance. So that's that's it. You don't have to be very, you know, you don't have to go much deeper into it. Just, you know, these guys in 11 years, $100 million was the cost of hiring bad people for the context of their organization. Because as he says, you hire bad people, but that doesn't stop there. Then there's a chain effect where those bad people or bad fits um, hire more bad fits, and then this becomes massive, and then it's really difficult to stop. No? So that is why. That's why we need to actually hire the best people for our context and predict job success. Now, the first thing that I wanted to talk about to talk about is the tools. So you should use tools that allow you to check for the things that matter. And here's an example of the things that matter for someone like Elon Musk. For Elon Musk, what's important is to find out, did they build something really impressive? Did they win some really tough competition? Did they come up with some really great idea? Did they solve some really tough problem? And sometimes um, it's difficult to understand whether they have the capacity to solve or you know, come up with a great idea or solve a hard problem by just using the typical interviews or unstructured interviews that uh, everybody uses. No? So let's use the right tools if we want to get the right answers, if we want to find out about the right information. So let's go into what some of these um, great tools can be. I wanted to talk about job simulations. So job simulations are king. Interviews are terrible ways to hire people. Yes, you heard it, you heard it here first. Interviews are terrible ways to hire people oftentimes. So job simulation, what is a job simulation? A job simulation is when you give um, a candidate a part of the real work. You give them an exercise, an assignment that resembles the real work that they will be doing. And then they go ahead and do it. The best job simulation is when you bring that person with you for one month into the company, and then this person works for you, and then you see it. That sometimes is very difficult. So you give them an assignment. You give them a job, an assignment that resembles the real work. It must be real, it must be fun, and it must be challenging. So why is good? Why is this good? Well, first, because they are the highest predictors of job success. Second, because if they go through it, it's because they really want to work for you. And third, because it gives the person a chance to see the real work. So it's not just like imagining, they actually do it. So it's, a, it's the best way to assess and to correct their expectations as well. And why not interviews? Well, because interviews, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say it like that, interviews favor extroverts and liars. Liars in the sense of like people who tell you what you want to hear. So if I'm very good at doing that versus somebody who is more talented than me but is not very good at doing that, I might be biased towards hiring the first person. Number two, interviews do not fully illustrate how the person will perform in the actual job. And number three, interviews create a space for you to be biased. 
if I see somebody, if I interview an Alex, and I see some similarities between me and Alex, because both went to the same school or we played, both we played humble, well, then I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna like Alex more, and I don't even know why. So for all of those reasons, we should, up to a point, avoid interviews. So then what can we use? These are so, these is the predictors of performance of uh, during an interview, during a hiring process. As we can see here, interviews are not always bad. Unstructured interviews are bad. And by unstructured interviews, we mean interviews where I'm going to the interview with a really, not a really clear set of questions that I'm gonna use. I don't, I don't have rubrics on how I'm gonna evaluate those questions. I'm, I'm just there, I'm just there, I have my ego. I think that, you know, I really can tell good from bad. And, and oftentimes that's what happens. I know my job, I know the kind of person I know, I'm just gonna go to the interview. And then what happens is that it's not only you who's interviewing for that hiring process, it's many more people. And then if we don't all use the same type of questions, if we don't bring some structure, then the experience that the candidates get is really different and the way in which they are evaluated is also very different as well. So what can we do? Can we use interviews in any way? Yes, we can. So structured interviews have a 0.51%. So it's, it's, it's really, you're doubling the, the efficiency of an unstructured um, interviews if you actually bring some structure to your interview. So you can interview, yes, but bring some structure to it. And when you see assignments, that's what we talked about. These are the job simulation. These are the, rea the real types of, you know, the real work that you share with the person and you have them do at, in their homes. You don't, you don't have them do a, you know, real time business case like in consulting many times. You can just like give them a real piece of work and let them do the work, let them do research, let them figure it out and let them deliver it to you and then you assess it. So um, now let's get into structure. So we assess the tools. What tools can we use? Um, now, what the second component of actually predicting, first is using the right tools, second is bringing structure. But not only in the interviews, you can bring structure along your hiring process. So first of all, the shortlisting scorecard. This means that when you are sourcing people, which by the way, at the beginning when I, uh, when I started with hiring, I, I thought that sourcing, I can't just delegate that, it's not that important, I'll focus on something else during the hiring process. And sourcing is the right, utmost, you know, utmost important thing during the hiring process. Because if you do that right, if you really spend the right time and you do it the right way, and you really invest in that part of the funnel, then you're most likely gonna have success because you're, you're planting the seed for success at, um, when you're sourcing. So there's a way to actually source with structure, source avoiding bias. And how you can do that? Well, there's shortlisting scorecards like this one that you can see here on the left side of the screen. And uh, these scorecards allow you to check objectively the essential things and, and the nice to have things that a candidate must have for it to be a good candidate for that hiring process. Then on the right side, um, you have a real example of an interview card that LinkedIn uses. So what LinkedIn does is um, they know what types of um, mindsets or skills they want to assess in a given hiring process. Well, they create an interview card. So then in this interview card, they have the behavioral questions that they're going to use. Remember, behavioral questions are called are good at predicting success because they use past behavior of that person to predict future success. So they add behavioral questions into the interview card and then they add some rubrics. See? They add some um, evaluation criteria, as you can see on the right side, and they give you an example of a strong response indicator and examples of weak response indicator. So whoever comes to do that interview, not always is gonna be you, it's gonna be someone else. There's gonna be 10 people interviewing for that because it's gotta be a common effort. Um, they're gonna do it in the same way. So we're bringing structure. 
Okay, and after structure, after the right tools, and after bringing the right structure to the tools, what is the third pillar? What is the missing piece? Data. As you can see here, there's two blocks here, or two departments gathering data. First, there's talent acquisition on one side, then there's people operations on the other side. Talent, let's just summarize it like this. There's other departments in different companies. Let's summarize it like this. When we're talking about candidates, talent acquisition, when we're talking about people ops, employees. Uh, sorry, I'm talking about employees, it's people ops. So let's have them both start to measure. Let's have like, okay, we have current employees. No, what can we start doing tomorrow? Okay, so if you already have employees in your company, measure how engaged they are. There's many ways to do that. And measure how well they're performing. Measure um, what are their leadership skills. Measure what is the average tenure that you have for those employees. So once you know for, for a person, for everybody, how well they score in these things, you can, you can start to build patterns. You build partners in this side of the, of the equation. Now let's go to the other one. Um, when you're hiring, obviously, you're, you're hiring for specific backgrounds. You can do psychometric tests, which, by the way, if we go back, we will see that cognitive, uh, cognitive ability is the second best predictive, uh, predictor of job success. So you want to be also analyzing cognitive ability of that person. Then you want to assess capabilities or skills. You want to assess values, mindset. And you have those two wheels spinning. They're, we're starting to measure data on both sides. And the magic happens when we break this wall that you see in the middle of the two. And when these two parts start to talk to each other, and you're gonna have systems that are on the left side, uh, like Greenhouse and other Lever and other ATSs, you're gonna have systems on the right side, like Bamboo HR and other like um, HR information systems. And then you, have, you connect them and you have them stick to each other and then you analyze, you can even download data and then you do, that, you do analysis and you start to understand, okay, so, the people who got this score in this cognitive ability test are scoring like this in engagement and like this in performance. Okay, how about the people who score high in team collaboration, who score high in customer obsession? Then you start to understand what are the most important data points for you to analyze, and then you implement into the hiring process because you know that the people who score high in those things, they're gonna be engaged in your company, they're gonna perform well, they're gonna lead well, so they add others into performing well, and they, they're gonna stay for a long time. So that's data. To finalize data, some examples quickly of bad predictors, weak predictors, strong and key predictors. Bad predictors, first impressions, gut feeling, avoid that. Even if you are the best of the best in what you do, avoid that. And those people who say, in the first two minutes of the interview, I know exactly if I'm gonna hire that person or not. Well, you're doing it wrong. You should at least wait until 15, wait until 30 minutes, listen, and then start to make your decisions because you can you may be wrong. That person might be introvert, that person might be the worst at explaining him or herself. So wait for it. With predictors, quantity of experience, hard skills. It's not here, but you know, whatever they studied, if they studied in, I don't know, Harvard or whatever. And all those are weak predictors. So the when I say weak predictors, like the you know, the link between those and their future success, it's not that strong. Then strong predictors. Achiever track, and by that I mean, is that person a top performer? And you can see that on a LinkedIn page, it's not that difficult, you can see cues of that. Are they, instead of having a lot of information in their LinkedIn, do they have metrics on what they help improve? Well, that is a top performer. Values and mindsets, motivation, and by motivation we mean like, do you see something that links their personal passions and motivations or purpose to the one or the things that we're doing in the company? If you see some links there, you're gonna get motivation. If you get motivation, you're gonna get performance, engagement, so many other things. And key predictors, cognitive ability, emotional intelligence, and conscientiousness. Cognitive ability because it means that these people 
will be able to learn well. They will learn fast. It doesn't matter if they have experience or not. They will learn. They will innovate for you. They will be creative. They have this capacity. Emotional intelligence, are they leader material? The most important thing to be a good leader is to have emotional intelligence. And why is that important? Well, because then you not only perform well on your own, you actually bring other people to perform well with you. And finally, conscientiousness, which means capacity to execute, to be accountable, and to be an owner, actually. So get shit or get shit done. Um, these are key predict predictors. And now moving along, this is a remote example of a hiring system in which all of those things that I just talked about fit together. So you can start and you can add like a, you can test in a, in a psychometric assessment, you can test for cognitive ability and NEQ. Okay, that could be the first. I'm not saying this is the right only approach. This is an approach. Then you can mix the pieces uh, the way you want. So you have that. Then one thing that we do at the African Nation Group is the bulk motivation session. We do that on Zoom. So what we do is we bring everybody who we sourced along. And then what we do is we excite them. We sell them the employee value proposition. We, help, we have them meet people from the team. And then the, the, the hiring manager goes, goes away and they are able to ask questions to the team members directly. How hard is it to work with this manager? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? How long do you work? All of those things. And once they are super excited, then you tell them, by the way, the next stage on the on our hiring process is going to be a job simulation. It's going to be an assignment. We're going to share it with you, and you you're going to have one week to complete it. So after you engage them, then you can share this assignment. So then we share this assignment, job simulation. They they do it over. We send it over Greenhouse, which is our ITS, and then they do it at home and they submit it uh, really easily. And then Google talks about four interviews as the right number of interviews to predict job success. If you add any interview, every interview after that. I think that only added point, like, I don't know, that 1% more predictability power um, compared to, so if you do five instead of four. So it made no sense for them to add more after four. Um, and then once you have the job simulations that you know that are super well predictors, you have the, the psychometric tests on general, general cognitive ability that you know that is a great predictor, and you do four structured interviews, the combination of these three things are great predictors. You try to correct your bias even further. And how you can do that? Well, you can add reference checks, which can be remote and be done remotely as well. And you can have the calibration. So what you do is you have a hiring committee that kind of like double checks the, the final. So it's like senior people from the organization that don't have, they don't have like a direct stake in that hire being hired. So they actually provide a, a really you know unbiased opinion on, on whether that is a good fit or not. And that's it. That's an example on how you can all fit it all together. But remember, you got to have the right tools. So if you're using the wrong tools, you're going the wrong direction. You got to add structure to those tools, and then you gotta like you know just hire some data people for hiring. It's 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 gonna change your life. Um, and that's that. And the last thing I'm gonna say around predictive is set the bar very high. Like you want the best of the best. When you're predicting, predict success, but not a little bit of success. Predict a lot of success. You want to have the best. How this is an excerpt from the Amazon stakeholders letter in 1998. And Jeff Bezos was telling all of the employees, before you hire someone, make sure that you respond to these three questions. Will you admire this person? Will this person raise the average level of effectiveness of the group? Meaning if people should say, oh my God, I'm lucky I entered today because if I enter like five years from, that, from now, the bar would be so high, I don't even know if I, if I would make it. And then finally, along one that I mentioned, this, might this person be a superstar? Everybody should be like a genius in something. It doesn't matter. No. So set the bar very high. And now let's go into the relational. Okay, so now we predicted who's going to have success. We predicted that, okay, we hired the best. I promise you that this person is the best that we can hire. 
take now. Let's make sure that they doesn't leave in two days or not two days, but two months or three months because somebody else is paying them more. Okay, so how can we do that? First of all, setting the bar high, as Jeff Bezos was telling us, is a good is good in itself because of course you're bringing the best of the best. But at the same time, it's also good for something else. It, got, it has a side effect. When you hire, when you focus only on the best, your hiring funnel is not fat. <laughs> you don't have 100 people coming into your hiring funnel, and then you're like, oh my god, I need to screen all these people. Oh my god, I have 20 people in this stage and 50 in the other stage. No. You cannot build any relationship like that. It's very difficult. Whereas when you go only for the best, then you're, you're, it's really lean. You have a very lean hiring funnel uh, on top so that you can do what in account-based marketing, that's what they do. They're really selective in the accounts that they want to go for. So it's called fishing with spears no, in this, uh, in this metaphor. And then you go for that. And then you're, the magic is that you can then work on that relationship really well because you only have 10 people, 15 people in your hiring process, and then you can really make it personal. And you can really invest on the relationship starting at this point. Um, so, okay, what does it mean to make it lean? Make it lean, well, you can use 12 as the magic number. Given the interview to offer conversion rates, if you, if you actually uh, shortlist 12 people, two, most likely two will receive an offer, just following this that I shared before. Huh? Uh, two will um, two will receive an offer, and most likely one is going to accept your offer. No? So you don't need more than twelve, but make those twelve each of them count. And uh, so sourcing is really strategic when it comes to hiring. Um, then, following the same train of thought that I was talking to you about, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel, and that's very very important. So make them feel super special. It's not enough to send them an email from your ATS that says. Hola, first name, and then, you know, with that first name, okay, we, we made it personal. No, it's not enough. You actually have to go beyond that. You have to be creative and, and do more. Separate yourself from what everybody else is doing, no? So how can we do that? Uh, a very random example that I, that I found that I wanted to share with you guys. Learn when it comes to hiring, and I learned that from Tony. Do not see what's being done in hiring or in recruitment. Most likely, go see what's, what people are doing, what companies are doing, Targeting the same effects for customers, and then you apply it from for uh, you applying for recruitment. It works all the time. Whatever the people are doing for customer experience, apply it for candidate experience, for employee experience, for staff experience. Whatever you're doing for to attract new candidates, sorry, new um, new new customers, apply the same to attract candidates. So just try to learn from what you know the marketeers of the world are doing out there. And you know there's random examples like this one at Starbucks. This uh, you know. It seems simple, it seems stupid, but it makes your, your experience so much more special. It has my name on it. The person, you know, even put a smiley on it and it was like written by me. That coffee can be half as good as the coffee next door. I'm still gonna prefer this experience. So do the same for for, for recruitment. Find ways to do the same. And ways to do the same, this is a real example. You can create presentations for whoever you wanna target. Since you only have 10, 12 people in that hiring process, you can make a presentation for each of them and you can make it personal. This is what I received. Like you're gonna work on with the best team created from and you see yourself, candidate sees himself actually next to the people who they're gonna be working with. This is like, okay, my head just exploded. I, I never had that before. And that's how you separate yourself. How you, that's how you start building the relationship. And there's other ways that you can record videos when you reach out to people on LinkedIn. You can create what we do is we create, we use Unbounds and we create landing pages. And we embed those videos in the landing pages, and then we, we share a link to 
um, to the video, to the landing page on, on an email on LinkedIn. And that's how we, uh, we approach this. So you can make it really personal. You can create a body system as well. That doesn't have to start when they're an employee. It can start when they're a candidate. Start building that relationship there. You don't have to wait. Um, of course, you can start at a given stage. Okay, I only do it for people who go past the each X stage. Fine, but you can start there. And then also, once you created this experience, you also have to do something else. You have to create a relationship. You have to create a partnership. So you have to. You can learn from um, from nature. Symbiosis. This is what ants and acacias do. Ants get food from acacias, which is a big plant. I don't know where you can find them. Maybe in Brazil. And then acacias get protected by the ants because the ants eat some herbivores that attack the plant. So that's a symbiosis. I get something from you, you get something from me. It's a value relationship, it goes both ways. It, there's not one of them who has a contract with the other and is more important, no. It's, they're equally important. So that's what you try. You should try to, to apply to recruitment. Avoid the transaction. You don't want a contract that say, okay, you're gonna do this, 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 and this because I tell you to, and I'm going to give you money in exchange of your time, period. You don't have anything to say, sign here, I'll see you next week. You don't do that. What you want to do is try to create an agreement. Even Don't even call it contract. Well, you have to have a contract legally, you know? but beyond that, create an agreement and design it together. Okay, this employee, this is what I need. I'm hiding this. With other, let's not be too you know, utopic here. I'm, I'm opening this hiring process because I need something. No? But okay, but I need something. I need to feel, fulfill this mission. However, I can always find ways to make room for your purpose, for your motivation, to add tweaks, add you know, little spices that call to you, that make you feel important, that make you feel that you're making the right steps in your career and you're making progress. So let's build that together. Why don't we build it together? Why is this agreement? Okay, I'm giving it to you, you sign it here. No, let's actually, let's leave room for some mutual design of this. And that's the best way to, to set the right seat. And then if we follow LinkedIn advice, um, we're gonna enter the world of tours of duty. And this means that, okay, we started like this, but we're gonna review this after, imagine, two years, and then we create a new tour of duty. And that's how we get people to stay for a long time. Because people want to shift careers, they wanna learn new things, they wanna learn new skills, new mindsets, work in different things. So we gotta create several careers within one organization. That's how we do it. Okay, but now this person, that's my case. I was director of talent acquisition, and now I'm director of people experience. Well, they created a new career for me. I stayed for two years, and now I'm gonna stay for maybe for two more doing this. And then after two more, we're gonna sit again. It's like, okay, what are you interested on? What do you need company? What do you need employee? And then we sit together and then we plan a new career. And like this, I'm gonna stay. It's I'm still working on stints of two years, but I don't have to change my company. So that's the beauty of it. And finally, new approach. Really, really good. That's an advice that I always give. Good, fast, and cheap. Normally they tell you, good, fast, and cheap, pick two. Can we pick three? Okay, let's go to it really quick. Fast and good, headhunting. You hire headhunting firm, uh, you're gonna get good people and you're gonna get them really fast because they have a database, but it's not cheap. I'm telling you, you have to pay a lot of money to get a headhunting firm. So that works for one role, but when you scale that, well, it gets messy. Um, fast and cheap, you can post in job boards, posting info jobs, posting whatever job board you prefer. Conversion rate in a job board, normally it ranges from 2% to max, what, 10%. And then you're gonna have your team screening, 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 and getting demotivated, getting burned out because they get wrong people and the wrong person and the wrong person, and they keep doing these routine tasks all day. They don't add value. So that's what you do, it's not good. It's fast and cheap, but you don't get good people. Or if you get good people, you have to screen 500. 
And finally, good and cheap employer branding, however, is not fast. It's always good to, and that's why I put it in green. It's good to invest in employer branding. You have to do it. However, it's not going to be fast. So in parallel, you have to do something else. So can you get something that's good, cheap, and fast? And if yes, how? So then to do that, there's the Google way. And we're going to talk about it more in the future. And we're going to talk about it more in the newsletter. But what Google says, and this is in the book, by the way, Work Rules by Laszlo Pock, ex-Google ex SVP of PeopleOps, create your internal talent agency. Here, what it says, not cheap, the headhunting, create your own headhunting head firm inside the organization and have your people stop screening, stop posting on job boards, and actually find the best people through LinkedIn Recruiter. There's many ways to become really strategic about sourcing, focus on learning to doing the, the sourcing right. And you're going to save money, you're going to enhance the candidate experience, and you're going to make better decisions because you have more information about what you need. And finally, hiring culture. Google, before they reached 2,000 employees, 20,000 employees, Every employee, every Googler, Googler dedicated between four and 10 hours to hiring. And you can be doing culture calls during the hiring process. You can be referring candidates. It can be many things. But that's the most important thing that everybody has to have in their minds and in their priorities and the OKRs. Everybody has to have something about hiring because that's how you scale a company. It depends on what stage you are. No? But if you're scaling, that's the case. And so today, that's the last slide. What should my talent aggression team do? Well. Stop doing so much training. Stop doing so many interviews because that can be split with the, the whole rest of the organization and the hiring teams. So much training. Stop doing so much posting and invest in sourcing instead. Invest in doing strategic sourcing. There's there's a guy called Glenn. I forgot the last name now. I'll share on the newsletter as well. This guy like takes the sourcing game to a next level. Like it's unbelievable how you can actually use the tools that you have in your hand today to find the best. And then spend time delighting so the people in recruitment should know how to delight. And the people in recruitment, in recruitment should know how to measure things to actually be able to predict. So bring in more marketing, bring in more operations to keep structure, and bring in more data analytics to actually uh, predict and, and have people um, predict who's going to be the best and have people stay for a long time. And that's the end of it. Sorry if uh, it took me a little while, but, um, but I wanted to share all these things. Thanks so much, guys. Open it up to the rest. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Miki. Uh, I think like I, I will have to rewatch again all the all the slides <clears throat> because they were had like so much value in on in all of them because I think you touch like different aspects of the of the hiring process. And and also like I want to invite people if what they think about it or if they have any questions about how to implement this. And um, but uh, well, I have different takeaways. But I have I want to ask you uh, many questions about it, and also like I want to uh, hear what Alex has to say. But uh, uh, but I think that the the last framework you show before the, before the last slide, like the time and quality and stuff. I think one of the the biggest pains or the biggest blocks that recruiting has have like is the time like always there is like the this position is for yesterday we have to go fast we have to go fast and what you were explaining is is against this you know because like you have to take time and also like how do you like since i know that recruiters always because when i try i teach in bond recruiting they always say like yeah but we we have to do it now because i don't have time to do candidate per so now we are like, okay, we want to switch the process. We like we have to do sourcing. We have to build this experience. We have to bring more people in the, into the interviews. So how do you, uh, or what do you recommend to people like that they have this time issue uh, to 
convince them that they should be investing into this? Well, I, I have several examples of, of uh, hires that we made and oftentimes for very senior positions. So I remember a very specific case. I'm, I'm really proud of what the team did for, for our marketing director, Veronica. And, and she, by the way, still is in the company as in, she's adding great value. And it's, it's a great example because it was a really senior position and it moves so fast. So we had, we had to hire very fast and uh, we had zero pipeline, of course. The only thing we had is, you know, a little bit of employer brand that we already were developed there. So we were a bit, uh, we were a bit known, um, but that's it. And we actually were targeting a global, um, the global population. So not only in Africa, so we're not known everywhere. And, and Veronica is actually from the States. So how can we do that? And so it was so fast. Like in, I think that in one week we sourced 18 people, but 18 like the best. So first we align, no? Day one, we align. We spend the next four days sourcing the best of the best in in those skills and, and mindsets that, that the person needed, that the marketing um, CMO needed. And then by day four or five, the CMO reviewed those candidates on LinkedIn Recruiter, gave us feedback, um, and we screened, I think we shortlisted 13 out of the 18. Um, then in parallel, the, the, the team, the person in charge of talent brand and talent marketing, started to develop um, a landing page and a video for the candidates. So to those 13, we shared on an email on LinkedIn Recruiter, those link, the landing pages with the CMO explaining the position and the EVP and exciting them. Um, we got answers maybe from, I don't know, eight or nine that wanted to actually start talking to us and enter the, the hiring process. And so that took us, that took us five days. And then on the next week, we had the first round of interviews. So in all in all, man, it was like a, we, we made the hire in under a month. And because we have several, many, many stages, but building that pipeline, honestly, was a week. It was so fast to do it on demand and, and by using this in-house approach that Google, that we got from Google. Not like for me, it was it was like, a, it's, a good, it's a good approach what you what you mentioned, because sometimes we think that doing sourcing and doing these activities, it, it takes longer, but maybe it can take shorter if you are aligned. But I'm gonna let Alex also like share his, his thoughts and I'll, I'll keep asking you questions. And if please, if you want to ask any question or any comment, well, I, I will receive Miki for your presentation, some comments that say, Francisca says excellent, hats off. Uh, and, and also Joanna was <laughs> a good sharing. So happy to, to receive that, um, that well, it had value for you. So Alex, I'll let you continue. Yeah, man, first of all, I mean, I was already exposed to, to a lot of things you said, but today refreshing them for me was, was really, really good. So again, thanks. Um, again, thanks because I learned, I, I saw the Keshedo thing and I thought it was a Japanese, you know, like, um, like that. what's the name of that, of the, of the purpose one? I don't remember, but it's also a Japanese name. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's a Japanese thing. <laughs> uh, and, the, and then I realized it gets, gets shit done. The quote of the samurai <laughs> is Gushido, so we should not to get mistaken by Gushido. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Excellent. One one question that I that I've been revolving around, um, which is, and I think you you spoke a little bit about it at the end, but it's um, what is the specific role of leaders of managers? Let's put it in an easier way of the organization along the overall hiring process, because I think there's a little mix 
in between that understanding. No? So a lot of organizations are trying to push even the, the, the managers to get into the hiring. Some of them don't get the managers until the last bit of the process and then 90% of the process is done by, by the HR teams. Could you, <laughs> could you clarify a little bit the, the the different roles, right? So if HR is just the facilitator or it's also a big part of the of the interview or what exactly is, is the split? So like I said, there's a and, and there's also people at um, at LinkedIn talking about the recruitment mindset or hiring first mindset. I don't know how they call it, they call it. and Google is actually doing the same and many others are doing the same. That means that the like the most important thing that everybody has to have in their heads when 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 you are in a company that's scaling is hiding. So the the way in which they approach it and we approach it is that I, re I remember oftentimes my 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 CEO and founder Fred, um, he has hiding as the first priority for everybody for himself for everyone in the organization. And oftentimes he gets uh, a little upset with, with some managers who expect, he's like, oh, look, Mikel's team didn't bring me a pipeline. The pipeline is still a bit dry. He doesn't. Mikel's team is not bringing you any pipelines. You drive your pipeline. You own and drive your pipelines. And Mikel's team is going to help you here and there, facilitating the things that are a bit complicated for you. Coordinating an interview uh, is difficult for you. Um, setting up the rubrics, doing the sourcing, all these things are like some things that you don't have access to the platforms. It's, going, it's a bit difficult no, for a hiring team to do. When I say hiring team, by the way, this is marketing, if marketing is hiring for a marketing analyst. The, mar the hiring team is marketing. It's not the TAT, talent acquisition team. So you drive your own recruitment. Hiring teams with the hiring manager on top are driving the road recruiting. And they're in charge. We actually suggested, I think it was a list of, 25 different um, sourcing methods and channels that they could use. And we tell them, look, we're going to facilitate the job for you when you tell us, but you drive it. So if you want me to post in this job or tell me, if you want me to share with this uh, recruitment firm, let me know which one. If you, But go on and share in your LinkedIn profile. Go on and uh, refer people. Go on and talk to your, Fred also tells them, like, go talk to your university professors or you know, business school teachers and get into those uh, alumni places where you can post your positions, do all those things. You drive your hiring processes. Don't expect TA to do it for you. So TA is a facilitator. The one driving pipelines and the one driving everything is the hiring team. If that's the only way, by the way, this is the only way that it can scale, especially in a world of startups where you don't have a, our talent acquisition team for a company of uh, now it's gonna be soon 200 people is, uh, now it's four, when I was there it was three. So it's really, really small. And how we do that? Well, because everybody's hiding. It's really collaborative. And Let by the way, follow-up question. Last, yes. last thing, that, and we need help not only from TA, we need help from the rest of the organization. So we have culture carriers who do the culture calls as well. So everybody's helping. Let me ask you a follow-up question on this one. How do you, I understand that most, I mean, your company is probably exceptional at that, but I think a lot of companies are, are far from what you're explaining today, and especially from this mindset on, that you know that the hiring team is not HR or people. Um, how do you drive that change? How would you instill that mindset across a big organization? Or even how do you drive those skills? Because for example, myself, tomorrow you tell me, Alex, you need to hire somebody. What do I do? Yeah, I know LinkedIn is cool, but yeah, I'm gonna send an email. What else? <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So what we did 
um, what we did is, first of all, the, the founder and CEO drove this. So this was, um, we have a, what we call Manager Mondays, where we train our managers. And the first of the Manager Monday sessions that we had was about hiding. So the, this was a task for a project led by the founder itself himself and we created a new uh, our hiding approach we called it our hiding approach and we had a presentation as like i don't know 50 or more or 70 slides long and then we gather all management and he personally and then we helped them a bit and shared what our hiding approach approach was and he was he guided us to that and it was coming from him and then what i did is take that and operationalize it and put it into a framework, put it into a system and put it into a, a playbook. And then I trained each team. So imagine you're leading the marketing team. Uh, I, sat, I sat down with you. I shared all the information. I got the, the marketing team to review it. And then we got together and I walked them through it. And then I created resources. I created We created videos for them to have it uh, on their own when they needed it. So it's it's a job that you have to do. Um, by creating the strategy or the approach and then the playbook so they can implement it. So it's, 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 you cannot have it like that. Okay, let's start doing it. No, you have to, there's work behind it. And it was really, really, really important that it was spearheaded by, by himself because the commitment, the buy-in that we got was much, much bigger. And he, he had it clear. I'm not doing this because, you know, if we don't hire right, we're not going to get anyone. So it's the first priority that we have. But like that, that's what you said. I think it's, uh, it goes in the opposite way of what many companies think right now because, and, and it's, it's obvious, but I, I don't think like any directors or not any, but like most of the directors or like people in the C-level ha have like the, the, the mindset of thinking, okay, hiring is like one of the key activities of the teams because what I see from well, teaching and working with brothers is like, I we don't have even time to, create a job description or a, 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 and I send you like whatever, I go to a job portal, I copy paste something, I send it to you and you figure it out. And sometimes we have like the, the youngest or even the trainees doing this kind of first screenings, which is like the crazy, the, the craziest stuff because there is like, yeah, but if you don't do it, the first steps good. Like that means like the, the people that they're going to show you, they're going to be like random people that nobody knows if they, they were better candidates or not. And you have to pick with this end selection from people that have, don't, don't have the, this knowledge, you know, and the, the knowledge uh, that people should be selecting these candidates. They don't want to invest even five minutes to explain really, because when I talk to recruiters or when we talk to, with headhunters that like they say like, no, no, our customer doesn't want like to explain us much, much more than 10, 30 minutes, like the job position a little bit and fast hurry, like, because we need the, the, the job position feel like really, really fast. And so I think that what you're explaining, uh, it's a really switch of the, the mindset of, of the companies. And I don't know, like companies that they, right now, they don't have this implement and they have like this kind of culture. How do you suggest if people listening to us are in this, in this situation, how do you suggest to sell internally to start doing this, to start involving teams? Or, and, and how can a jar like, can detach a little bit of this? Because right now, it seems like the sole responsible of hiring is, is a jar. Beyond showing that Tony Sai video, eh? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, when you see how much it costs you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting question. And, and I remember that, Tony, we were doing a clubhouse session one time and we were talking about the future of HR. 
And we were talking about how a possibility for the future of HR is to disappear as it, is, as it stands right now. And maybe it can stay doing some, some specific things, not that I really uh, can only fit there. But then some of the things that are done in HR are so operational that so people of Spark should, could fit into operations, could be a subsection of operation. The, the part of like talent acquisition could fit into marketing. So, you know, there's, there's many things that can happen so that HR start, stops being so isolated. No? But I think that one of the most important things also is, is to, to realize that Alex was saying, like, if you tell me, okay, yeah, that's very beautiful, but how do I do it tomorrow? Like, it's a bit overwhelming for me. Well, you have to, you have to break it into pieces that are chewable and you have to break it down to, to really, really simple stuff. And then you have to walk the, the person. You have to be really customer obsessed and your customer is the hiring managers, the hiring teams in the company. So a real, a, a tiny example on how to solve what you were saying. You can tackle, instead of doing it like a macro thing, you can tackle bit, bit by bit as well. You were talking about job, um, job descriptions. Like, okay, how do we do it? Okay, no, you do it, hiding team, then what they do, oh my God, they get stressed out, they need to copy a, a job description from somebody who they see online. Well, what we do is we create the job activation form. And then in this form, we ask them for the fields that they, we consider important in job description, which by the way, job description should talk 50% value in what the company needs and 50% value for the, for the employee, sorry, for the candidates. They're really important. We're gonna talk about this in the future. But um, so whatever we need, we wanna, we wanna add in that job description, the employee value proposition. We wanna add the mindsets that this person needs for this job. We wanna add, a, well, we have spaces for them to share this, but in a really simple way. They don't have to format it. They don't have to think about, no. They just share these in these little boxes. They put the text there and then we format it for them. For us, it's super simple because we, we know the format, we know the structure, it's copy paste, it's ultra simple. But when you leave them alone with the task of like, hey, create a job description, they're like, oh my God. Um, so you gotta make it, think about them, think about the ex their experience. It's not like they don't do things because they don't want to. It's because it's hard for them, they don't know how to do it, they never did it. And you have to help them, you have to go hand by hand, give them support, train them, and give them little tools, templates that, that can actually be helpful. No? So I think that in the future, whenever we put together this, this quiet, uh, online online training or online platform or course. These are some of the of the little um, kind of like tools that we can share with people so that they can implement in their companies because it's it might be a bit overwhelming um, and and at the end of the day uh, we've done it and it's and it's simple. No? But if you want to do it all at once, it can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, but we see a lot a lot, a lot of uh, what it, it makes sense is like. The best companies, the companies who admire, like they are following this this uh, this path of like hiring and, and having this kind of selection process. We know that the other day I was talking to a friend that now is like he was in the interviews with Airbnb and he was explaining me the different interviews. <clears throat> sorry, and 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 sorry, like and they would say like the last interview was like with people from the team to know the the cultural fit. So and everybody like is ex excited to have this interview as well in the other side so it's like well now they you know like they they show me the values and 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 they show me like all the information about the company developer position so i have to prepare i have to read everything so the candidate also like sees the importance of this because they also they want to know what are the values what is the value proposition of the the companies and sometimes like no here's what you have to you got to do 
interview, interview, interview. And the candidate is like a beggar, like, please give me the job. I, I'm going to answer you, whatever. And I see like people training how to answer this question in a job interview, how to do this in a job interview, what to say in a job interview. And it's like, <laughs> it's more preparing the interview than not like fitting to the to the job that you want to do. And I think that uh, that is something that probably with the with this um, job kind of interview, like you job simulations that you were saying, can be solved. And I wanted to ask Miki, this model that you show is for any position or is more for position like because if I imagine blue blue collar positions, you can apply this this process as well. What do you, what is your thought on it? Ah, uh, that's a tricky question, eh? No, I <laughs> I I have to be honest. I have not applied this. Um, I have not applied this specific uh, process for a blue collar position. Um, I was uh, I was um, heading Fudora in the past, and and we were hiring riders, and that went that went a little bit different. There's, you have to iterate and you have to test and you have to see what works everywhere. Um, and, and if you have this works in a pipeline, we were talking, you know, we have really thin, lean pipelines that, uh, you know, you get 12 people and then you hire one. When you want to hire 100, then you need to hire uh, a pipeline of, of uh, 5,000 that the story changes a little bit and you have to do things that scale a bit more and that are a bit more automatic, no? So instead of having, like, you can add, you can add different things. You could add, like, a stage that is a video, a video recording interview where they record themselves. Like you, you can, you can have chatbots. There's, there's different approaches. Not necessarily exactly what I said applies to blue color, blue color. But with little tweaks, we could, we could find the ways to apply, to apply to blue color. For everybody else, I, I think yes, we apply it the same way for really entry level positions and as to, as to really senior, like I said, that director of marketing, for instance, position. Sometimes if there's a new market where you don't have a lot of experience or is or there's a position where it's really difficult to source for because it's really technical, it's developer of this program that for that um, person sourcing is going to be very difficult. Maybe you can seek help from a from a recruitment firm, from a headhunting firm. What I said before that they are expensive and you, that doesn't mean you should never use them. They're the evil. No, I, I like headhunting firms. They can complement really well. They should probably not be your main strategy because then your cash is, is gonna go away really fast, but they can complement you really well. So you have to you have to be flexible. There's no you know universal truths. You have to adapt to, to every single thing that you need to do. For the most part, I figured that this approach works, but feel free to iterate it for whatever for whatever you have to you're hiring for. Is Rupert super ultra senior new market or Super technical. Well, search a headhunter, and it's something that you need a lot of numbers. Well, job boards stop being a liability and maybe start being something good if you don't need somebody who has all those standards um, and has to compare to other white collar positions. No, so be flexible. Be flexible. There's no universal truth. One question, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one question. Um, and related to what we're discussing now, so changing gears a little bit, um, I was reading the book that you recommended me about, um, you know, Basecamp, and it doesn't need to be crazy work. And uh, it's a really good book, actually. So thanks for that, for the record. Um, but it makes you think a lot, right? It's so disruptive, everything. And one of the disruptions there um, is actually around the hiring process and the importance of the CV or the importance of, of the past experience. So to, to what extent is, let's say, related past experience for example i'm in strategy um is having someone in general terms obviously 
um, that has worked in a similar position than the one you're looking for, or let's say at the at the lower level, um, important to you or important for the future success of that person? Um, so we can go back to the to the predictors, no? And and I think that when we were talking about about the predictors of future success, the quantity of experience um, it's probably not that. So the skills. So by working for a long time in a given thing, I, I get I get quantity of experience. You no, know? so I have a lot of experience doing that. But what we're talking here is is we're talking about an input. I've been doing. I don't know. Imagine. No. I've been I've been the financial director of a company for five years, and now you want to hire CFO. It's like, is that good or bad? <laughs> well, uh, it can be good. Like, it can be a good way to start, but it does not necessarily have to be a good predictor of future job success. What you need to look for, and and it's harder, no, because you need to really. That's why that's when st um, strategic sourcing comes into play, and I'll share that in the newsletter. But you need to find people who have solved similar problems or tackled similar challenges to the one you will have. And the one you will have for your CFO is different to the one I will have for my CFO. So imagine a CFO comes to my company, and my company um, has $5,000 in the cash, in the bank. And I'm going to need somebody who has been dealing with critical cash flows and who has been able to make companies thrive and rescue, kind of like rescue companies and make them thrive after dealing with these delicate cash flows. And so I want to make sure that the types of companies that this person has worked for are not ultra big multinational companies, because then it's very possible that this person has 10 years of experience as director of finance, but doesn't really know how to do what I want them to do or I need them to do. So I think that it's more important to know what challenges and problems has to, have these been people have these people been solving for as opposed to the experience in a given type of role so if tony or if you have been leading marketing in a company that has problems that have nothing to do with mine looking for quantity of experience as a marketing director might be very relevant but that, that brings a very interesting reflection because I think it goes around with the alliance concept that you were mentioning. You're not hiring so much functions. You're hiring for missions, right? So you're not hiring a CFO. You're hiring a person that, um, I don't know, needs to turn around your cash, your cash flow model, right? And, and I think that's a huge mindset shift for, for companies because usually we hire marketing directors, CFOs, or whatever, right? And then it becomes much easier, Alex, to to shift that tool of duty. Because if you hire a director of a CFO, how are you going to change that CFO into something else in two years? It's impossible. But when you when you try to make it a bit more flexible, and and when you get to a chief level, it's a bit more tricky to defend, no? But like anything below that, like it's 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 much easier to actually hire somebody for a mission, like you say. Because then it's, it's easy, it's natural that the mission is going to evolve as they continue with the company. Otherwise, if you hire for a role and that's super rigid and fixed, it's going to be very difficult to shift in the future. No? Because it's like, oh, I hired this marketing manager and now what is he going to do? Well, uh, maybe don't be a little less, uh, a little more flexible. No? So yeah, mission driven, mission driven, really important. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Um, if you have one, 
Tony, do you want to share before people call it a day the our little survey? I, I want to know how I did. I want to know if people have any feedback. How we how we position yeah, ourselves in the world. I want to know what people think so that we can bring more value in the future. Yeah, like I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just shared it in 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 YouTube. I'm gonna be sharing it now on LinkedIn. But if you want to comment in the chat, what you think? Like, uh, if you apply any of these uh, methodologies or anything that helps you uh, hire better or like have a better productivity when you do interviews for so the candidate can match, please share. Or if you have any questions to me, yeah. to Alex or to me, like please do share. I'm never going to be talking about this again. So if you have a question, I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, and, and, and also, in in the meantime, I wanted to ask you like how we can train maybe our managers or where we can what we should be training them first. So if we want to to do it for them to do it or start like doing you know like uh, this this model, it's a mindset shift. I think that there's. The skills are really simple. The hiding, the, the skills to hire are not that difficult. You have to have clarity on, on the problem that you want to solve. You have to have clarity around what you're offering the person. What is the value for working in working in your team and in that role? So what value is gonna the person is gonna extract because that's gonna be the base of your storytelling during hiring process. Um, and and you gotta know them all these things. So you gotta have these things. You have to reflect, but everybody can reflect on what they need. Yeah? And once you do that. If I have, if I can collaborate with a team that helps me put the questions together and helps me create the rubrics, and that then it helps me schedule everything, that then schedules the culture calls that somebody else will help me do. It's not even going to be my team. And then there's going to be a hiring committee at the end to make sure that I'm not taking the wrong decision. And it's like the support is is really is really there. We facilitate a lot, no? And the only thing that you need to have uh, to start with is the mindset. And I think that it's really simple to say, ah, hiding first, hiding mindset. But how you test it is like, imagine you're a culture carrier. And I tell you, OK, hiding first, that's the mindset of the organization. Um, you are a culture carrier because you've been with us for a long time and you carry our values. And then tomorrow, I tell you from that, and you tell me, yes, yes, fantastic. But from that to tomorrow, I'm going to block you every week, two hours in your calendar for you to do culture calls. And that is when it changes. If you have the person say, oh my God, I need to do culture calls, then the mindset shift have not, has not happened yet. So for that to happen first is very important. And for that to happen first, there needs to be commitment from everybody and it needs to start from the founder or CEO, I believe, so that the wheel starts to change in terms of mindset. And here I'm going to let um, Messier Dilme speak because uh, changing mindsets in big organizations and adopting new things is tricky. And it's the most difficult part. The skills, that's simple. You put together a playbook and a couple of templates and it's good, but it's the mindset. Again, yeah, I think you could spend two hours speaking now about changing cultures. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this for the, for the next um, session. But uh, I agree. The, the most important one, at least the biggest predictor of culture change, is CEO and top management alignment and push. <laughs> if you do that, you get, I would say, 50% of the job done. Then there's obviously a huge amount of other things you can do. Alex, but say it, nudges, and you need to nudge people. There's nudges, no? <laughs> we like the nudges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like we like the nudges. But the, again, the biggest nudge is seeing your CEO or your management team uh, spending time on doing these things. That's when you really change your behavior. 
and you need to understand it too. Like you, you actually, you want to work the, the, if you bring a, a team of, of A players, uh, there's a video from Steve Jobs that says, this is self-policing, like A players bring in more new A players uh, because an A player doesn't want to, wants to do two things. First, work in an amazing challenge. You want to, like, you know, solve the world, something that impacts the world. And second, they want to do it with really talented people. And they don't want to be working on that amazing challenge with, with you know, with people who, who are not successful in that context or don't have the capacities or mindset. You know? So I think that once you get those A players and you get them to understand how important it is for them to work with more talented people who, like Jeff Bezos was saying, keeps on setting the bar higher and higher and higher. And you have them understand this is the only way we're going to actually get to where we want to go. And that's the only way in which working in this company is going to be engaging, motivating, and amazing because we're going to kick ass. Uh, when you get them to understand that, I think that a lot of things change. So the, the change in mindset is not done by saying you need to do that. It's done by showing the benefits that they will get by doing that for themselves, selfishly. This is, I think, this is the key point for everything. Because when I do like referral programs, like I, I always I always suggest to companies, like don't say like they, they should help you. Like tell them that they should help themselves because they are not doing you any favor. Like they are doing a favor themselves because you're not gonna be working eight, 10 hours with this with the person every day. You when the, the hiring is done, you're gonna leave and they will be stuck with this person. So you always have to tell them, like, hey, you are helping yourself. Do a favor to yourself. Do you want to to find your next colleague, put it this way, because then they, they start saying like, okay, maybe, yeah, I should do this. And also I've been seeing companies that now they look when they hire, when they, and they, when they hire like really senior positions or director positions or manager positions, for them to be talent magnets as well. So they want to know if they're gonna do any activity uh, or, or, or they're gonna ask them in their job description to do talks, to do posts, to do stuff in order to be a talent magnet for the for the team. So uh, at least I'm seeing this, but I'm seeing this in a in a in smaller companies or tech companies or scale ups or startups that I think that they start with this mindset. And when you are in a startup, you don't have like a hiring team or like uh, you have one person maybe in HR, and they have to do so in order to make sure that you are hiring the best. Uh, you you have to do it yourself. And that's when when you start seeing like these these patterns. So we'll see. Like I hope with this talk, Mickey, you enlighten a lot of people and and <laughs> you are you not enlighten, but also like give tools in order to go to the people who's listening to us, like to go to their teams, to go to their directors, or to go to the teams they collaborate with and say, hey, we should start like hiring in a collaborative way. We should start like maybe putting job simulations, doing interviews in this way. Maybe we can like bring a body into the interview process, or like the, the, the stuff that we, we've been saying. And, and it's like just like doing interviews and just like having HR in the first interviews, maybe it's not the best way to do it. And we should like change it and we should have everybody on board from the very beginning. So, and also you have this talk in YouTube. And if you subscribe to our newsletter, you will have like all the notes, all the material uh, written down and you will have it in your inbox next week. So I think these tools will help them and empower them to, to do this switch. So I hope this, this happened. So I don't know, like, do you want to share with us, Alex, Mickey, one last message or one last 
for me, the one is like, as always, take action. Like now you have tools, you have ideas, and it's like what you can do tomorrow, maybe to start like going towards this direction if you feel like is the direction to go. So for me, it will be like, okay, and if you not sure, rewatch the talk or rewatch Mickey Spill and, and see what uh, you can implement tomorrow. That I think is the best way to, uh, to, to at least write down what you take from this talk, because if not, we assist to talks, but we don't take action and the most important part. And I think to achieve our purpose as well is people to take action by themselves. So yeah, that will be my message. So maybe Alex or Miki. So I'll, I'll leave you, Miki, to the end so you can make the closing. But on my end, I have two very big takeaways. The first one is, um, so the hiring team is not the HR team. And the second one would be, you don't hire positions, you hire for missions. Yeah, and, and, and it's, a, it's a change of, of what you have your, your talent vision people do. And have them screen less, have them interview less, and have them source better, have them do more marketing, and have them do more data analysis and, and gathering. If they do that, I think that the quality of the people you will bring along and uh, the amount of time they will stay will, will for sure be impacted. And you will only know if you're measuring it. So. Well. <laughs> and by the way, okay, let me let me choose another closing thought. I always say that a company becomes the people it hires, not the plan it makes. So make sure that if you wanna pitch it to your CEO, put that on the cover of your presentation and, and hopefully it hopefully he or she will believe it. Fantastic. So and also thank you for everyone for watching, for being part of this. Uh, movement because at the end we, we call ourselves like a, a little movement that is starting little but at the end we want to uh, gather and also like if uh, you subscribe step by step we will be like becoming more and more people uh, driving and, and pushing to have this change in companies and mindsets and also like uh, to have what is our purpose to have like owners in companies not just employees if not people that are fulfilled they, they are fulfilling their jobs and also like they they work towards the same direction as, as the companies. So uh, yeah, and you can subscribe as well to your, our YouTube channel. So you get notified for new videos and, and everything. And and yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, if you watch it, this in the recording, you can comment as well. We would love to uh, listen to read your, to your to your comments, to your ideas, to your whatever you have to add here because we love the conversation. Also, you can reach us on LinkedIn. So feel free to do it because uh, we love we love to talk to people and to have more knowledge. As Miki was saying, like try, test, iterate this model. And if something has been working for you, please do share with us because we love to learn as well. And and yeah, and see see you in in two weeks maybe uh, with the next Quaret Masterclass. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Bye, everybody. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.